0: Is always the same. Instead of going home, I go to the neighbors. I ring, but nobody answers. But the door is open, so I go inside.
3: Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, I did the formal introduction to this countdown on the previous episode, so all pleasantries aside, welcome back to the top 83 albums of 1983. If you missed the first three entries to this countdown, you do have to go back to that episode. Matter of fact, you should probably go back about five episodes to the beginning of the actual super spectacular retrospective that is 1983 here on Rock Strikes 10, starting with the odds and ends. And now we are up to album number 80 on the top 83 albums. Countdown of 1983 coming in at number 80 is a band that 99% of its fan base easily has more than one tattoo, and that's Social Distortion. I like me some Social Distortion, even though I am in the 1%. I'm not anti-tattoo, but haven't gotten one yet. Still waiting on the right one. But yes, this is Social Distortion's rookie year here in 1983, as far as a recorded act goes. Their debut full-length Mommy's Little Monster Came out right at the beginning of the summer in June of 1983. Mostly self-produced. That's uh, fun record. Much like any punk rock band worth its weight, it clocks in at just under half an hour. But I went ahead and included it here for the actual album's countdown. Because, yeah, yeah, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't include this one. Because it clocks in about the same time as a lot of other faves. So, yeah, that being said, Mommy's Little Monster, fun record, definitely a nice sign of a very consistent career, let's just say, because Social Distortion's a very consistent band, almost so much so as they probably get taken for granted in the grand scheme of things. So those bands that I like them pretty decently, I've always followed them for the most part. So, yeah, Mommy's Little Monster, just a nice chance to revisit it. I'm glad it came in here on the countdown. And I could do the whole diatribe, but listen to the last episode. Even if you're low on this list, you still have a very good record on your hand here. Don't worry about it. So here you go representing Mommy's Little Monster. Here's a nice little rocker to kick off the show in fine fashion. Says the creeps. <laughs>
2: for nothing, a toast on your
3: off the show here today and coming in at number 80 on the top 83 albums of 1983 countdown that was social distortion with the creeps i believe that to be their ace of spades that's for mommy's little monster and yeah not much to say about it it's just fun shit so coming in at number 79 is this one right here a guy who is almost kind of punk rock in his overall attitude as far as just towards the industry and sometimes fans in general He's still making waves, this guy. John Cougar Mellencamp. Yes, he was still John Cougar Mellencamp at this time. I'm going to tack on to something that Baco said recently on a Cobras and Fire episode, my favorite podcast. It's like, Mellencamp is the dumbest name (laughs) to have (laughs) when you're in show business. It's one of, it's up there. It's bad. What I think he should have done, and I'll go one better, I think, on this, is John Cougar Mellencamp should have done a thing where it's almost like an alter ego thing. So... Be John Cougar when you're putting out fun rock and roll. And then be John Mellencamp whenever you're being, let's say, a bit more serious. So at least I know which records to buy. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Because honestly, as far as I know, there's only like two albums of his that I really dig. And that so far has been American Fool. And this one right here, Uh Uh-huh, which was the seventh album that came out in October of 1983, Produced by John and Don Gaiman. And I remember when, like, you know, Hurt So Good and Jack and Diane came out because those things were played endlessly. But this song right here, yes, this is one of the big singles off of the album. Not the biggest, actually. Chart-wise, Pink House is, is the biggest hit off of this record. But for me, it's always been about the Authority song and this song right here. I still love this song. This one just gets the blood boiling for me. So here you go to represent Uh-huh. Here's John Cougar Mellicamp with Crumbling Down. Big shout-out and a lot of credit for that song I give to Kenny Aronoff, who I'm a bit biased because he follows me on social media, Kenny Aronoff, just so you know. That's my brag. But Yes, Kenny Aronoff just sounds great. One of the great utility drummers of my lifetime, and he really shines on that track there. has always been a big part of it, and just a big part of John's early sound, for sure. But Yes, Crumbling down there, one of my favorite singles from 1983. I will still keep including... Some of my all-time favorite singles from 83 throughout this countdown. Of course, we'll lean on deeper tracks and everything just to make it very Rock Strikes 10-esque. But yes, got to throw in stuff like Crumbling Down when it happens because how could I not? I'd be doing a disservice to myself. I would like the show less if I didn't include it. So it's on here. Okay, so I'm going to go deep on this next one right here. Uh, With this band right here, I've always had a lot of respect for them. It's not one of those bands that I know a ton about, and most of my life I've definitely been more on the side of being a greatest hits fan than an album's completist. Although I have a lot of their albums, weirdly enough, and I did luck into like their remastered CDs like on a deal like a few years ago, so I went in and just gobbled them up. But I would say honestly, let's let's go with a double disc best stuff fan. So not quite basic, but not strictly hardcore. And it's this band right here, the Eurythmics. I will say so far here in their career in 1983, they've just put out their third record here in November towards the end of 1983. It's the album called Touch. And definitely their best album to date so far. And full disclosure, they put out two records. Two records in 1983. The other one, of course, being their big breakthrough here in America, Sweet Dreams are made of this. I will tell you. That album did not rank high enough to make it here on this countdown. So in my opinion, Touch is the better album of the two. If you want to go ahead and include it as a tied entry, then feel free. Go right ahead. It's fine. But for me, Touch is the better album. It just sounds more cohesive. The deep tracks are better for me. Just little things like that. It just makes for a better album. And this one right here, I, I know one of my favorite bands, Garbage, I know they're big fans of the Eurythmics, and I'm going to have to put this, uh, speaking of social media, I may have to go on social media and hit them up for this one. If they ever do a Eurythmics cover, they need to do this one right here, because upon hearing this for the first time in a long time, I got Garbage vibes. So maybe I can make this happen down the road. But let me know what you think. If you're a Garbage and Eurythmics fan, let me know what you think of this track. This is from the album Touch. No fear, no hate, no pain, no broken hearts. Enjoy. Mix right there with no fear, no hate, no pain, no broken hearts. From the album Touch. Uh, as as someone who champions the forgotten third single, as I like to call it, because a lot of albums have those kind of songs. I really do like Right by Your Side, and I almost made that the representative for Touch, but went ahead with that one. Anytime I can lean on a big deep cut, I'm gonna go for it. For the most part, but yeah, Right by Your Side deserved better. Uh, here Comes the Rain Again and Who's That Girl. Great songs, of course, but right by your side deserves some love. It's a fun little ditty. It's kind of a new wave Calypso kind of thing. But yeah, so far in their career here in this timeline, Eurythmics had their best album right here with Touch. So give it a whirl if you've never done so. I like it. Here's another band I don't play too much on the show, but they're very heralded. They're Hall of Famers. They're even actually promoting something with the 40th anniversary of their concert film right now, Stop Making Sense, and that is Talking Heads. The tour they were on, whilst they recorded the Stop Making Sense album, was the Speaking in Tongues record. And once again, I'd say I'm a double disc best of Talking Heads fan in that realm. But Speaking in Tongues is definitely one of their more quality albums. I appreciate the fact that they took some extra chances on this. They fired Brian Eno as their producer. They self-produced the album. And they had a lot of success with it. So good for them, man. Of course, Burning Down the House, probably their most known song ever, if I had to guess. I'd say overall, especially in the chart realm, Burning Down the House has to be the big song. But hey, speaking of failed third singles... Let's go with this one. I guess the label had given up on the album at this point so much so that this actually, while technically a third single that was released, it didn't get a proper release throughout the world. It only got released as a single in Australia and the Netherlands. But I really like this song. It's my other favorite song on the album besides, obviously, Burn Down the House and Girlfriend is better, which I really like a lot. But the live version of that from Stop Making Sense rules. So let's go with this one right here that I've never played on the show. I like this, it's always had that cool, creepy crawly vibe to it. So here is Talking Heads with Swamp.
2: Swallow you up Let's go
3: All right, Critical Darlings right there from the original CBGB's class. That was Talking Heads with Swamp from Speaking in Tongues from, of course, 1983. What number are we at? I don't even know. So let me get that settled as I put on this next song right here. We'll get to it. (laughs) So coming in at some number, 70-something, is this band right here, which this was another big surprise for me going through these albums. I never listened to a full album by this band that I'm aware of. Maybe I did back in the CD Warehouse days with Logan, but man, this one took me by surprise. It it pulls off that really rare thing where it definitely does sound 80s to a point, but this band being a European band, Scotland specifically, another Scottish band. Yeah, there you go. Just like big country. But they pull off that European new wave thing while it's mixing in a lot of 60s and 70s power pop, that jangly power pop that I really appreciate. And so that being hard to categorize thing really does a lot for me. And I listened to this album a handful of times cause I was just like, just kind of enthralled by it temporarily. So I think this is a cool quality album. Uh, if I listened to it more, it probably would have ranked even higher But the debut album here by this band, Aztec Camera, who the only thing I ever knew about them was like a couple of songs. I knew the single off of this album right here, which by the way, their debut album here is called Highland, Hard Rain. Came out in April of 83. Oblivious was the big single off of that. And I also knew this really catchy song of theirs called Somewhere in Your Heart. But going back to what I said, this was an interesting album. I dig it. I think you should definitely give it a go one of those i guess now kind of obscure albums that it definitely didn't do a whole lot here as far as i know in the states yeah if you want to just hear some cool pleasant poppy type rock from the 80s give this one a go aztec camera highland hard rain once again let's play this song right here this was my favorite song uh, from my initial listen not a single just a deep cut it kicks off side two of the record and it's called pillar to post (laughs) you enjoyed that right there that was pillar to post by aztec camera from their album highland hard rain and that officially came in at number 76 here on the top 83 albums of 1983 which means talking heads came in at 77 which is very fitting because if you know their debut album is actually called 77 fun did not plan that at all So sensing a trend here from some earlier entries on the countdown, this is another band that I'm definitely a double disc best of fan of. Uh, Probably sitting here on their best records. This is as good as it gets for me. I'm going to go ahead and call it because it contains a handful of decently good singles and easily my favorite song of all time by this band. And it's definitely the song I'm going to be playing here in just a minute. Talking about Journey here. And their eighth studio album, Frontiers, which came out in February of 1983, produced by Mike Stone and Kevin Elson. Yeah, probably the peak of their popularity, playing arenas, selling them out. They had a fucking video game out, which, by the way, I'm the king of that video game for sure. I've got the screenshots to prove it. But Yeah, Journey here, Frontiers, even the album cover is cool and people can dog on this song for the video all they want just having fun and and being modernly ironic and everything but we didn't know any better then but also we gave it a pass at this time because the song fucking rules you know it rules it's still played every five minutes on the radio but I don't care I'm playing it on my show too because this is their best song so to represent Frontiers here's Journey with Separate Ways Worlds Apart turn it up Separate Ways right there. Journey is the band. Frontiers is the album. Coming in at number 75 here on our countdown. How could you not have enjoyed that? I was like, hope you enjoyed that. No, if you don't enjoy Separate Ways, you're probably doing rock and roll wrong. That's just what I have to say to you. Okay, let's pivot out of the quote-unquote rock and roll for a little bit here and talk about one of the more quality R&B acts of the late 70s and early 80s that don't get talked about nearly enough But this band sold a lot of records, and not that that constitutes greatness, in my opinion, but I definitely would like to use it in my Exhibit A, in my defense of this band, because those people, as far as crossover, R&B, and pop, people kind of sleep on this band, but they were great when they were great. We're talking about Shalimar. Did you expect to hear about Shalimar here on my countdown? I didn't even expect to hear about him on this countdown. I wasn't sure if their best days were past him at this point, but... Kind of going out with a bang here. Their seventh album in 83 came out in July of 83, actually called The Look, produced by Leon Silvers the third. This was the last album to include their original trio of Howard Hewitt, Jeffrey Daniel, and Jody Watley, who I only knew the song Dancing in the Sheets from 84, which will be next year, of course. I only knew that song as a youth and, and later, later on. But I actually got into Shalimar, actually, because of David Lee Roth. He talked about him on his show. So I went back and listened to their records. I'm like, man, this band is damn good. Come to find out, they sold like, you know, 30 million records worldwide or something. So they're nothing to sneeze at. So kind of kept them on the radar here a little bit the last few years. So the the original trio had broken up by the time Dancing in the Sheets came out. So I never knew that Jody Watley was in Shalimar for like the longest time. A lot of us, including myself, only know Jodi for her solo success in the late 80s. It was neat to find out that she actually, quote, paid her dues early on with this great band, Shalimar. But there's a lot of fun songs on this record. So I was like, this has to be on the countdown. Not just for any kind of inclusion's sake, but this song right here has now become my favorite, quote, hadn't heard it song from 1983. I had this song on repeat quite a lot for a few days. And come to find out, just according to some of the facts I found out here, that this song actually did get nominated for a Grammy. So this is definitely one of the rare instances where the Grammys got it right. I don't think it won, but damn it should have. I, anything else that was up against this should have lost. Because this song to me is so fun and I couldn't wait to play it for you guys. So from the album, The Look, this is Shalimar with my favorite new old roller rink anthem. Dead Giveaway. All right, dead giveaway right there by Shalimar from the album The Look. Mine, and hopefully now your favorite new old dance song. Let me know if you've actually heard that song before. And Not that I'm the be-all, end-all, and if I didn't hear it, it didn't happen kind of guy. But the fact that I never heard that until this year, I'm like, shame on me. Let me know if you have any memory of that song. I'm very curious. Be honest. Okay. Moving on here to album number 73 here on the Countdown. Longtime fave of Rock Strikes 10. One of the great writers of all time. One of the great rock stars of all time. Just the guy can do no wrong for me. And that is the great Ian Hunter. Supporting his sixth solo studio album. Not counting the Motha Hoople stuff, of course. But his sixth solo album. His solo albums are definitely worth your time. Most of the ones I've heard are... At the very least, three quarters good. Kind of like this one, a little bit overly three quarters good on this one for me. But you should definitely be checking out Ian solo stuff. How could you not? This one right here called All the Good Ones Are Taken has got some good writing on here. I really like the tunes and I went ahead and leaned on this one. There was a handful of songs I would have gone with, but I'm going with this one on some principle just for the added cool factor. And yeah, the, some of the songs do lean on the Cold War and the nuclear arms deals and stuff like that. And I believe this song to be one of those kind of songs as well. But as an added bit of awesomeness here, Guess Lee Guitar by the great Mick Ronson. He did play on some of Ian's other albums, but this is the only song he plays on on this album. So here you go. Here's Ian Hunter along with guest star Mick Ronson. This one's called Death and Glory Boys. Enjoy. Nice little mini-epic right there featuring the late, great Mick Ronson, originally from the Spiders from Mars, by the way, on lead guitar. That was Ian Hunter with Death and Glory Boys, a highlight of the album. All the good ones are taken. All right, this next band here coming in at number 72 is a two-and-through band, which means they only have two records and then they broke up. There's no way there's going to be a third album because I don't think anybody would accept it due to the fact that their lead singer and lyricist is unfortunately not with us anymore. But the Waitresses, who did very well on a previous countdown back in 82, I it really enjoyed the Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful album, one of my surprises from 82. And their sophomore album here, their last album called Bruiseology, came out on May of 83, produced by Hugh Padgham, very heralded producer right there it's just it's lacking from the first album just a little bit it's not too bad though but it's definitely not as good as the first one so if there has to be a second place this is the second place in their catalog but i would definitely cherry pick off of this album because it's got its moments and i really like this song right here so i'm playing it here to represent the album so from Bruisology, here is the waitresses led by the late great patty donahue and this song is called open city number 72 here on the top 83 albums of the year 1983 that was the waitresses with open city from their second and last album bruise ology if you are into the physical media and you should be definitely just get the cd set called just desserts i think it's a two cd set and it's got everything at all by the waitresses including single releases like of course the famous christmas rapping i think maybe a couple of live tracks but That's everything. You can get everything on like a two-disc set. It's called Just Desserts, once again. Go seek it out. And the last entry tonight, coming in at number 71, this album right here, very divisive. I am kind of, I don't know, I want to say Switzerland about it. It's not one of those albums I overtly defend, but I also don't think it's as bad as some people say it is. I don't go out of my way for it like a lot of people do, but I think it's a pretty good record. It's a fun record. Yes, the mix is not great, and hopefully the leader of this band, who claims to have a copy of the master tape, he is threatening to remix it at some point, so I'd like to do an A-B on it for sure. But that all being said, I'm talking about the 11th album by Black Sabbath called Born Again, and I think the people that don't like the album would definitely say that on paper this album should have been brilliant. Uh, This album right here came, actually, as of this recording, it came out 40 years ago this week, September 12th, 1983, produced by Robin Black. And the big complaint on it, for the most part with people, is the mix. The mix just doesn't sound right to most people. I don't think it's a great mix, but certain times when I hear it, I'm like, ah, people over-exaggerate. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this should have been mixed better. So like I said, I'm kind of Switzerland about it. Like I said, on paper, this should be one of the finest hard rock, heavy metal albums of all time. So the fact that it's not, maybe somewhat from a song standpoint as well, is what makes people upset about it. Because Ian Gillen, of course, formerly of Deep Purple at this point, and had a quality solo career, honestly, in my opinion. there's some records that people really slapped on in a solo career. So go look those up. I've talked about those before. But yeah, Ian Gillen singing for Black Sabbath. Maybe that thing where they should have changed the name of the band by this point since Dio was out and then it worked out in the end. And all those albums, it's a hell of a legacy to live up to. Even for a guy like Ian Gillen, who's one of the great voices in the history of hard rock, it should have been better probably than it was, honestly. I definitely would have liked to have seen the tour because I heard the tour was wild. And it's fun to read about these kind of albums because there's like the turmoil and and just what worked and what didn't, you got, like to speculate on it. But and once again, Born Again, I'll put it on from time to time. I own it on vinyl, so I'm definitely not a hater. And as I stated before at the beginning of this countdown, anything that made it on this countdown is something I think is worth pursuing. So that's my apology to Baco and anybody else that might be listening that really loves this album. So, that being said, let's play a favorite from Born Again. This is, of course, the great, mighty, legendary Black Sabbath with Disturbing the Priest. That's another reason I really like that song, Disturbing the Priest, by Sabbath there, off the Born Again album, coming in at number 71. That is some of the best evil cackles ever recorded on any record. So, great job there, Ian Gillen. Love it. Yes, I do hope we get a remix version of that down the road. And Like any good reissue that does get the remix treatment, they need to include both versions on there, so you can make up your own mind. And that way you don't, Star Wars it, like to have the option of listening to both versions. And judging for ourselves. So there you have it. They definitely missed out on the 40th anniversary as far as putting that out. So hopefully down the road. Tony Iommi's got a lot of irons in the fire as it pertains to reissues that he's been threatening to put out. He even wants to put out all the Tony Martin stuff. Gasp. But hey, good for him if he winds up pulling it off. Want the Born Again mix first, though, okay? Let's just prioritize. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We're into this countdown, of course, very much officially. We've got 70 more albums to talk about and play a song from, so I hope you're along the ride with me here. More than likely tomorrow, there'll be the next entry. So until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business, Take it away, Noah.
1: We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. Where cinema's trash is treated like treasure, and the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash SpaceBeard Band to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.